Hello and welcome to uh, Sheffield Hopcast. I don't, we can't really call it lockdown anymore, can we? Because I think that's kind of like it's old news. It's kind of pretty much over. So um, today we, is our can we come up um, with a new name. Can we come up with a new a new name to replace lockdown. Virtual, but not might be a normal. Go on then, Sean. Oh yeah, thinking thinking. This is you, you, yeah. You're delivering soft problems down. and solutions. Are we, are, we, are we in a soft down? Soft down. <laughs> Soft down. Going to leave that one with you. We're going to move on. Okay. Um, this is our. Uh, I think this is the second time actually that we've done a gluten-free episode. I'm pretty certain that we did one really near the start, way back when. We've had we, Phantasma. Uh, I don't think we've done a special. All oh, right. So we've just literally had one gluten-free mm. beer. That's less impressive actually. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so this is actually a, a full-on gluten-free episode. There will be no gluten used in the making of uh, this episode. Uh, of the uh, podcast if you are watching this live on facebook then hello um there will also be uh the video of this on youtube at some point when we get around to it uh, and of course the podcast version that you may well be listening to so uh, however you are um consuming the uh, hotcast it is lovely to have you with us we had a we had a weekend off last weekend because we had a fairly crazy weekend the one before um doing the uh the first chef hop fest which, for some reason, I was fine saying that right up until the weekend, and then lost the ability to say that phrase. I just couldn't, I couldn't say it anymore. But uh, yeah, I thought that that was uh, that was really good fun. Um, Matt, who is joining us, uh, who is uh, gluten-free pint, Matt, um, you were on one of the sessions as well, if I remember correctly. Anyway, I, I popped in for two minutes or so on Facebook, and that was about my limit. I think. Oh right, watching on Facebook. Well, it is good to have you with us uh, for Hello. this um, episode, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll reflect more on the uh, Hopfest in um, in a bit. Um, so let's let's go around and say hello to everyone. Uh, obviously, the theme this week is that we've got to have a gluten-free beer. Um, I'm offering odds of um, five to two that at least two of us, possibly three of us, have got the same beer. So um, let's start with the person uh, that I'm fairly certain has not got the beer in question. So let's go to Sean first. Um, who, if if you did consume any of the uh, of his session at the Hot Fest, you'll know that we've now given Sean a microphone, which is great because we can actually hear what he's saying. Um, but uh, yeah, there it is. So um, he looks like uber professional now. Well, I I have a microphone, but due to some sort of technological glitch, which I'm blaming Adam for because he sent me the microphone, um, I can only plug it in and use it, but then listen to the audio via. Uh, headphones but that added bonus means I can hear everyone as well so everyone can hear me in better quality and I can I can hear everybody else um, so my beer I've gone for we had a delivery from Brass Castle uh, this week one of their uh, uh, beer sunshine is, is a real favourite but in the end um, I've gone for a, a darker beer because you don't get quite as many darker beers in uh, in the gluten free world and so I've gone for a very famous one. Um, we opened our shop back up in late 2013. And so sometime in 2014, uh, Bad Kitty uh, came into my life. And so uh, it used to be in a 500 ml bottle conditioned, um, now in a can. Had it on cask lots of times before. It's a 5.5% vanilla porter. And I'll, I, yeah, I absolutely adore it. I've not had one for over a few months, so bad kitty 
is my choice from Brass Castle over in uh, Moulton, of course. Good choice. Thank you, Sean. I've also got uh, a uh, new glass from uh, Whiteface, Dave at Whiteface up in Penniston, Whiteface Brewery. Uh, it's got some new uh, cool glasses, and so I'm supporting that today. I did see uh, your uh, beer from him that you posted on Facebook that looks very, very, uh, very, very good. They were fantastic. Um, I noticed that you are, you're also joining the uh, Beer Attire Club um, this week as well with um, showing off your new North T-shirt, which is very impressive. I'm a big fan. Laura, Laura really has set the standard over the last uh, year or two on, on Chef uh, Chef Hotcast. So I have uh, begged one of one or two T-shirts over the last few weeks to try and rival. Uh, uh, Laura's uh, attire and, and I know from what Laura mentioned just before we came live on air she's running out of stuff to wear uh, on uh, Chef Opcast so if there are any breweries <laughs> out there want a sponsor uh, Laura then game on uh, if not she's going to have to uh, wear some of the old stuff again which is appalling Oh, we could stop making a point of it, and then she'd do it. Laura, have you got have you got other clothes, Laura, that you can wear that are not really based? You might wear a dress. I think uh, beer clothes do <laughs> do make up. I'm going to say the majority of my wardrobe, to be honest. But I do own other non-beer related clothing as well. Did I hear you say wedding dress then, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that episode of the, of the Simpsons where Marge Simpson buys one really expensive dress and then has to like cut it up and make it into different dresses every time she goes to this posh social club that she's joined so that they don't think she's wearing the same thing all the time? This is an idea, Laura. You could, you could each week like, you know, take, take to pieces one of your beer tops and turn it into something new. Yeah. Well, I have I have worn my wedding dress in lockdown actually, just for fun. It was quite near the beginning, and one of my friends had a fancy dress-related um, Zoom uh, birthday party. And I don't really, neither me nor Jim really go in for fancy dress like costumes. So I was like, I'm just going to wear my fanciest dress, which is my wedding dress. So I did. I look forward to the episode of the podcast where you just rock up wearing your wedding dress. That's going to be fantastic. That's great. Um, we could do that as a theme, couldn't we? Like the most, I don't know, fancy wearing dress. the, po- fancy the dress. poshest thing fancy that we've dress got. Podcast. Yeah, we could do that, yeah. All right, I like that idea. Um, right, Laura, um, what is your beer and what is your beer t-shirt this week? Okay, uh, so I've done something I don't normally do this week um, and I have gone for an Abbeydale beer and I've gone... Classic, I've gone for Heathen, uh, because, um, simply because it's the first gluten-free beer that um, Abbeydale ever made. Um, and originally, because the way that this is, it does have barley and wheat in it, uh, but then contains an enzyme called Brewer's Clarex, which is what breaks the gluten down uh, to a level considered labelable um, as gluten-free. Uh, but what I thought was interesting is we initially didn't use the enzyme because it would cause the beer to be gluten free uh, we cause we added it because um, another thing that it does is it prevents uh, chill haze forming in the beer and with this being our first keg beer but with us still supplying customers that expected a non-hazy beer uh, we had to look at other ways that we could ensure that a hoppy cold beer uh, didn't develop haze and that's where brewers clarex came in um, and I, I don't really know how long it's been used generally in the beer industry um 
but I think kind of the, the labeling of beers using it as gluten-free is, is a fairly new one. Um, so obviously didn't label it as such initially, just wanted to do ample rigorous testing on it to make sure that it was safe and all of that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it's something that we've since extended into adding to the majority of our beers, at least ones that go into can really. So I just thought I'd get a little bit of science in there as well. Uh, and any excuse to fuck a heathen. Uh, and my t-shirt is um, a Manchester Together hot cake t-shirt that you can't really see. Love it. I might be. I think I might be my my, my favourite T-shirt that you've worn. That one, I love it. But I really like the hops. Not not here. I don't wear it that often because it's, it's a bit short. <laughs> but while I've sat down, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's great on the Zoom video where you could only see from kind of neck upwards. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, right. This is where it starts getting awkward because there is a very high possibility that Adam and I have the same beer. Um, so should we should we just should we just reveal this together? Kind of like you know slowly in front of the of the camera to see whether or not we have got the same beer so if we just kind of like slowly kind of creep up <laughs> and we have yes yeah, so we both have the new uh, there's Wanderer. a chance matt mines as well but we'll find out in a minute i've left that one out i think i gave him a bit of warning that might be good, good move uh so it's the new version of wanderer so um i actually so this i think this is the first time that i've drunk the same beer twice kind of because i had the last version of wanderer about four or five weeks ago um when we did the out and about um special um so yeah i have i have the new wanderer uh, which is uh, nelson serving an el dorado uh, new england ipa uh, and which which has a hopcast link because laura this is your recipe i believe yeah well kind of i chose the hop <laughs> combination to go in this one yeah, that counts as it being your recipe. That's fine. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> so it is, isn't it? You can take all credit. It's, well, that's it's. Um, we don't normally get to use um, Nelson in very much because it's a core hop in Deception, um, which is one of the beers that we usually make week in week out for cask. Uh, but obviously, with the pubs having been closed, um, not being able to brew Deception as frequently, um, we have plenty of uh, Nelson sobin left over. So I thought, let's stick some <clears> in the. <laughs> Does it mean that Nelson, Nelson Sobin's kind of back? Because like we've seen recent release of Kipling back in into Cannes, and that was famously was a, a Nelson Sobin hop. I was wondering whether like there's been a good good batch this year or last year. Um, Possibly, um, and it could also be, there's. I saw an article um, earlier on that there's something like 800 tons of hops available more than they usually are at the moment with um, so many brewers uh, decreasing their production recently. So it could also be uh, that other, the other breweries are, you know, not needing what they usually have if they're making different beers and that <coughs> kind of thing. But I don't really know, but I'm happy about <coughs> the fact that there are more Nelson beers around because it's a... Oh. Just to, bring, just to bring this beer back, I got two cans of this yesterday from the green shop. Shout out to the green shop. Um, and I had one last night and I enjoyed it so much that I was so close to cracking the other one. I'm thinking, I'll just get something from the supermarket tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but I was good and I didn't. But it's so nice. It's so drinkable as well. I, I did have the last one, but um, yeah, it's it's top class, Laura. So good choice on the hops. Good Good recipe. <laughs> very nice very nice uh right matt so you haven't gone for um wanderer 
but what have you gone for? And you appear to also be wearing a, a, a gluten-free beer T-shirt as well, which is yeah, particularly impressive. I've gone for the uh, Magic Rock Phantasma T-shirt, um, which I picked up from, I think it was a few years back now, when that's actually launched Phantasma. Um, I went to the launch evening of that and got a free T-shirt out of it. Um, so that was that. The, the, the beer I've gone for is the uh, Brew York Olivia Gluten Gone. Um, which is probably the best beer name I've heard in the gluten-free beer world so far. Um, it's 5% pale ale. Um, I think it's the third gluten-free beer Brew York have done now. Um, they did one before, called, well, they're still making Serial Killer, uh, which is a stronger New England IPA. And um, I think they did a pale ale as well, Glutinous Minimus, I think that one was called, which was mainly a cask beer, that one, which we haven't really seen much lately. Um, yeah, the, I've got a few of these delivered from the brewery, actually, the day they uh, canned them. Um, it's only about a week or so back now, so it's one of the like newest beers in the gluten-free world as well. So, yeah, that's the one I've gone for today. Good choice. If we if we had to do like a league table of breweries and uh, their naming for beers, <laughs> Brew York would be you know beyond you know they they'd with the Champions <laughs> League, let alone the Premier League, because yeah, they're just they're <laughs> superb. They're head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, all right, good stuff. Now, Matt, I think um, we've I think we've had you on the Hopcast a couple of times. Um, <laughs> at stuff like yeah, like <laughs> at, at Sheffield Beer Festival a couple of years yeah, ago yeah. and stuff like that. Although it was all very messy by uh, <laughs> by that point, so it, yeah. it's great to kind of have you on properly and and so uh-huh. we can kind of chat. But so if, if there's kind of anyone that doesn't know you and kind of what you do in terms of beer um, and the, the gluten free pint sort of thing, um, just kind of fill us in really for anyone that maybe you know doesn't kind of know your your background, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, what really happened with me and drinking gluten-free beer is I started working with Adam um, nearly four years ago now. Um, before that, I probably, well, I used to drink a lot of cider and there's one supermarket bought lager that I used to drink a lot of. Um, Adam was adamant that there were beer out there that I could enjoy. Um, so, yeah, started going out drinking in Sheffield and managed to come across a number of different beers Initially, it was from the likes of Brass Castle and um, well, First Chop. Uh, popped in to see Sean a few times, and I think that was back when you maybe had three or four different gluten-free beers in the range. Um, I think there's some time up to 30 you've got in at the minute, isn't there? But obviously, with lockdown, it's changed a little bit. But um, Yeah, so I basically started running a Twitter account, first of all, to try to put a bit of pressure on uh, bars and pubs really to start stocking either gluten-free beer or a more adventurous option if maybe they only had like the likes of the supermarket bought stuff. Um, worked really well because it's probably not a pub I can go in in Sheffield now and not enjoy a beer, um, which is great. Um, and now I'm mainly more focusing on my Instagram account um, where... I just share photos of new beers, really, and uh, reviews of them. Um, I think I had about 530th unique gluten-free beer yesterday. So, I mean, there's quite a lot out there, loads of choice. 
and I, I get quite a few people asking me as well, like good places to go in Sheffield to drink, uh, beers I'd recommend and that sort of thing. So, yeah. It's impressive that you've kept uh, count to 530, yeah. but can you remember what your 500th gluten-free beer was? I can. Um, it was actually in lockdown. It was the Abbeydale Isolation. Um, I think it was Pale Ale, the, obviously Abbeydale Brewed. Um, yeah, really nice beer, that one. Um, enjoyed in the first few weeks of lockdown, that one. Um, obviously, good stuff. Well remembered. More beers later. <laughs> it's quite interesting, actually, because like, I feel like... I- I kind of went on that journey with Matt quite a bit because he was like as a drinking buddy and it was quite interesting to see how quickly because there was like a there was a I don't know if you're still on it Matt but there was the beer for celiacs group on on um, yeah, yeah. Facebook and um, when Matt used to post stuff it was quite evident after a while that Sheffield were getting tons more stuff that the rest of the country who were in that group weren't getting access to. And I think it were due to like Matt like gradually putting a little bit of pressure on people, like in a kind of not in like a aggressive way. But um, and then you know we, we I kind of just used to keep an eye out for stuff myself because I always thought, well, I'll let Matt know if I see anything. And it just kind of just it just escalated really quickly all yeah. of a sudden. Um, I mean, Devcat, you know, well, sorry to say that's gone, but mm-hmm. Devcat, I was like dedicated, just getting sectioned into it as well and stuff. And, well, um, I think there were always at yeah. least one keg and one cask on. Um, I mean, well, it, I think that was one of the first pubs I went in, really, which opened mm. my eyes and were like, oh, there's... But, I mean, Liz, that used to be the manager there, um, I think she was celiac herself, so that kind of the reason behind all of the choice there, I think. But that, that probably helped develop the other bars in Sheffield as well, I guess, to have a much wider range as well. And then, obviously, Abbeydale went on to... Certify Heathen and I mean the, the rest of the range now that's obviously being Mark Lumfrey as well, which is always good for me. It's yeah. kind of it's, it's, sorry, go on. I was going to say we, we've we've kind of t- we've talked a few times, haven't we, on the podcast about gluten free? But we must have had more than one on because I feel like we've had this sort of conversation mm. two or three times, where we've sort of said there's this weird thing where people are like, oh, I don't want a beer that's gluten free. Like, give me the gluten. I want the gluten. And, and it doesn't like in terms of the taste, it makes absolutely zero difference. It was interesting, Laurie, you kind of talking about um, heathen and that sort of process but i'd I'd struggle well i just wouldn't be able to tell that there's anything different about this beer to another new england style ipa it's it's just it just seems like so almost irrelevant as if like well why is every beer not gluten-free because it clearly doesn't it doesn't affect the taste is is it more difficult to brew a beer gluten-free you literally just put the enzyme in it comes in a we get it in a fairly big jerry can and just add the um amount i it i mean it is it's an expensive uh thing to buy uh the brewer's clarex it's it's um i think possibly for smaller breweries potentially you know that who um it's it would be quite a big investment i mean the amount you have to add isn't a lot um and for uh, breweries like abbeydale and i guess like magic rock who i think use the same kind of uh, process as well um it's per batch it's whilst it is obviously an added cost it's something that in a big batch of beer is isn't going to make a huge amount of difference and it's something that is doable um to and especially we started using it more often at abbeydale because 
we know that it makes it more accessible for more people. So the fact that it adds a little bit of expense to it is, you know, is, is completely worthwhile to, to make it so that more people are, are able to drink it. Um, but I think possibly the, the price is a, is a factor. Um, I know uh, there is, there's a, somebody on, on tap who keeps checking in beer saying it has that gluten-free taste. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't know, it doesn't have a taste. But, um, and I think, I think it's something that it is, it is quite difficult to communicate in a way. Because obviously like, the labels say gluten-free, but then the labels also list barley and often wheat and oats and all sorts of things as, as allergens. So I think it's something that, because it's still quite new, a lot of people are still learning about and I suppose Matt it's the kind of thing that I guess you now if you see something that's listed as gluten-free you will be aware of what Clarex is and you personally have that knowledge to confidently be able to buy that beer but for somebody who doesn't understand what that enzyme is and what it does um, you know I, I can imagine it it not being an easy thing to kind of discover if that if that makes yeah, sense. That's you not what I mean. In the brewery don't you? Yeah, like there's there's three different ways of making a gluten-free beer, really. Um, the, the most common one now, which I dare say probably 99% of gluten-free beers are, which is the Brewers Clarex method, which seems to work really well. And I mean, but it basically breaks down the, the gluten levels in it to below 20 parts per million, which means it's obviously deemed safe for celiacs, people with gluten intolerance, that sort of thing to drink. Um, obviously, like you say, the cans are still labelled as containing wheat, barley, oats, rye, and that sort of stuff. Because obviously, with it containing that ingredients, I think I think it's more a legality that you have to. Um, I mean, and th there is the confusion out there that people are, oh, how can it have wheat in and be gluten free? And I think a lot of people maybe don't have that same trust in Brewers Clarex as well that it does reduce the gluten levels, even though I mean, it's, it's proven it does. Um, now, what another method of like making gluten-free beer is using gluten-free grains. Um, like quinoa, for example, um, they use quite a bit to make different beers. Um, and the, the taste of them isn't the same as like, a beer that's got Clarex in it at all. And th that's the type of thing I would expect comments where, oh, I can tell this beer's gluten-free. And personally, I don't enjoy them myself either. But, and then the other method is by, by using gluten-free barley grains, which I think there's a brewer up in Scotland that have been trying this method, where like, they, they still use the same ingredients, but they'll get a variant of barley that's already gluten-reduced. Um, so that, that's the three ways of doing it, really. But like I said, the, the way everyone I speak to uh, understands is the Brewers Clarex method, which seems to work pretty much all the time, I think, really, yeah. I was just thinking, actually, Matt, about times we've been in bars, and you're one of the people who you're quite happy to take a bit of a risk on it anyway. You're quite, you know, yeah. you've, you're educated enough to kind of think i know that brewery i know you know i know their sort of situation i think sometimes there's a little bit of in the staff in bars having the confidence of kind of saying oh well it's you know like you know ones that aren't lit because my point was going to be that to get it to have the gluten-free thing you have to have it kind of sent off and you have it's to have sodium batches tested 
But, but I think that adds a lot of cost as well, especially yeah. for smaller brewers. I was thinking maybe that is more of an issue than the actual the cost of Clarex. It's more yeah. that you've got to constantly get it kind of verified by an independent company. Um, but you were saying there's plenty of beers out there which are gluten-free, but because they're not being tested, they're just released to the public you know anyway but you you know having a bit of kind of knowledge you've kind of got uh, it'll be fine and it generally tends to be fine yeah um, I've, I've never had a problem doing i think the that, i think but, so my pan point was i think that sometimes it's that kind of not an education but that's confidence in staff sometimes thinking when you go no is that gluten free and you go in they say oh well no but you <laughs> i think it is so i love it and they're like <laughs> have this kind of <laughs> Um, so I mean, I know, maybe education in the industry from the other side of the thing might might be kind of a good thing. There's still kind of a risk involved, obviously, if things yeah. aren't tested. Um, but there's a risk in every sort of food, isn't there? You know, may contain nuts because there were nuts yeah. used in a, a recipe half half a mile down the factory yeah. or something. You know what I mean? With, um, with Heathen, we yeah. only label the cans as gluten free. The kegs and the casks, even though it's exactly the same beer, are not because. In a pub like the Devonshire Cat, which had a dedicated line, it was safe for them to say yeah. the beer was gluten-free. But you know, there are some people that are, so, are sensitive enough to gluten that if a different mm. beer had been on before and there was just a little bit of residual uh, gluten-y stuff yeah. in the line, you know, it, it could still be present and could still make somebody ill. So as a, as a brewery, it's difficult. To, you know, we obviously don't want to take all of that kind of responsibility when it's partly uh, dispense is still a part of it as well that can have an impact so for that reason it is only the ones that are labeled but obviously hope i think most venues are obviously um you know look after their beer really really successfully but it's just that extra little bit of control that mm. when you don't have it and when it is something that can uh, you know genuinely make people ill it's something to be particularly cautious of um, I, mean, I, I think even one of those first beers that I heard about were kind of brewed gluten-free, let's say, with the Clarex in it, but wasn't um, initially obviously wasn't labelled. Um, and yeah, that was one of them that I'd heard about, oh, that's gluten-free. So I mean, I've been drinking even probably quite a while before they ever had that gluten-free label on. Um, same with Magic Rock. I mean, they, they made, obviously, Phantasma, probably three, four years ago now. Then they brought out Sorcery, which is a more session pale ale type thing. And like that had been out a year before they'd ever put a gluten-free label on. But there were like a few of us out there that knew it was safe to drink and had been drinking it quite a while. And then it turns out they put a label on it, which I mean, makes it more accessible for everyone else that maybe doesn't have the same contacts in the industry as I do. Because, I mean, if I've ever got a question about Abbeydale beer, I'll come to yourself. I mean, there's, like, I mean, Sean, loads of knowledge, and then there's other brewers that I'm in contact with as well that are, like, man, Sean, like, this beer, we're going to get it tested and whatever, but just so you know. So, yeah. Matt, Matt can I ask you a question? Uh, 
a couple of questions, in fact. Um, one, uh, I ne we never felt any pressure from you, actually. You were always very encouraging in terms of gluten-free beers. And mm. you're right, when we first started, it was Walltop and a couple of others. And yeah, I think it was Walltop quickly, and Castle. Yeah, quickly snowballed. And, and you're right, we're, we're, we've had as many as 30, about 20, I think, when, when I counted yesterday in the shop. But... Um, so your, your encouragement has been phenomenal and, and much appreciated. Um, but uh, two things, really. One, um, what happens to you? If we were all sat now drinking a Colonel IPA um, <laughs> and loving it, and you were having one with us, um, we'd, all be, we'd all be fine, a little bit merrier right. at the end of it. But what, what would happen to you? What, what would happen? Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably be away in the bathroom for quite a while. Would you? Right. Yeah. So, uh, are the, uh, is the, the subsequent problem of drinking a gluten-free, uh, excuse me, a non-gluten-free beer the same for all celiacs? Uh, or, or does it vary? Does it vary? I mean, I'm, I'm not celiac myself. I'm just intolerant to gluten. So, right. it, it's, com it's completely different if someone is a celiac. Right. If they drank it, it'd have quite more, a lot more serious health concerns for them let's say would that, that be immediate matt would that be immediate or is that a build-up of drinking I, I, think the one beers? More, I think that's a more long-term thing yeah whereas like with the intolerance that i have for example it's more like it's there and then and maybe it'd be over in 24 to 48 hours there'd be right. no further like that'd be if you know what i mean is it an autoimmune thing? I know that's that's probably not going to help the situation, but isn't that's where it's is that what kind of celiac disease is? As far as I know, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've not looked into it massively because I mean, it's not something I've got myself, so I don't yeah. need to worry about that. But yeah, Sean, I was just thinking before I said that. Um, have you got another question, Sean? Before you yeah, yeah, you go, go on, ask, ask me yours. Now go on, you go ask. It might oh, well, me, me, other, me other one was uh, Matt, whether Matt's got to a stage now and, and a confidence and knowledge level where you, if you're going to night out, Matt, do you have to ultra plan your night out to make sure that you're going to be able to taste something tasty and healthy? Or are you free and easy now? In Sheffield, perhaps you're free and easy, but if you go somewhere else, do you have to really plan and um, and contact people before you go on a, on a typical night out? Yeah, so like you say, Sheffield, there's pretty much nowhere I can't go and get a beer, which is amazing. Um, like up, up in Leeds and Manchester, like the, the big cities in the north, they're like great. Again, there's probably not many bars you can go in and not find something. Um, but I, I remember the week before we went into lockdown, actually, we were over in Whitby for just like a weekend break and whatever. And there were a lot of like research and planning that went into that as to where I go and get a beer and enjoy it. And I mean, whenever we go like traveling abroad and whatever, um, I probably spend a good week like Googling and then sending messages to bars and breweries to see what they've got and where it'll be. And yeah, so it's not as easy as finding a craft beer bar and going, mm. I'll go there and have a drink. Um, there's a lot of I could go there but is the only point if there's not got beer, if a beer I can drink and like a lot more craft bars abroad let's say don't always have a cider option either which means not what you're going there for obviously but if we've not got a gluten free beer it's the second best option let's say but, uh, 
my my thing I was going to ask you, Sean, was kind of your experience as like a, you know, as, as a beer shop and kind of, do you feel like you're understocked because of, you know, because of availability or do you think you've, you kind of, you've, you've got it, plenty or how, how, become, how, yeah, how, it's become, yeah, it, it became, how, prior to lockdown, it became very, very easy. So we, we, we did get to 30 beers a, a, a few times. Abbeydale have helped enormously, yeah. of course, being a, a local brewery to us and having a, a vast majority of their range is gluten free. We've always stopped world top. Um, first shop we've stopped plenty of times obviously Magic Rock used to be the case as well so it became Brass Castle I've uh, uh, got a phenomenal range so it became it became quite easy uh, to do that but we had a lad who came to the shop yesterday, only yesterday morning a lad came to the shop and uh, I said I'm after gluten free beers but I suppose there's no point in asking uh, that, that was his, that's exactly what he said I, I, I like a beer but there's probably no point in asking I'm gluten free so I said well uh, let's just count him now because I'm doing a, a, a gluten free podcast tomorrow and I could do we know him and there were 20 um, and he, but he didn't buy one and he, he was one of those that still felt as if um, that, that, that trust was an issue I was quoting breweries to him that he was unfamiliar with Mm. And and he didn't want to commit and didn't want to buy one, despite the fact I was very reassuring and saying that it was much easier for him. He he, he was he was still very worried about it and not quite as trusting. So, I mean, there are some people who, even even with the brewers Clarex, I think there are certain people who who would still, you know, it's it's still a bit of a kind of a personal risk of consumption, really. You know, if if you are. Mm they are still in there so if I don't know if maybe if you're allergic to them or something like that it's um, if you have a barley or wheat allergy there, yeah. that then becomes a problem and yeah. a number of people who are allergic to gluten also have that barley and wheat allergy which would be when brewers clarex can't tick that box for them but I mean, that that's a small percentage of like people that are gluten intolerant um, so, yeah. We we put a gluten free box together, uh, Adam. Maybe it's sometime January time for a customer that came in to buy as a gift for someone else, and they enjoyed the buying experience. They were they were happy that there were plenty available. Um, but I got a phone call maybe it's an hour after they left the shop, absolutely disgusted <laughs> that uh, we had sold them beers that uh, clearly had as an ingredient mm. barley, wheat, and so on. They, they were they were really um, probably the worst phone call I've ever taken from a customer in terms of their outright the outrage yeah. that they've been conned. Uh, into giving us 20, 30, 40 quid, wherever it cost them yeah. at the time. So it, it needed a lot of reassuring to calm that customer down and, and explain the, the 50 parts per million, 20 parts per million and so oh, yeah. on. So, yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, the amount of times I do come into your shop and obviously, like, there's only a handful of people in there with being so small. The amount of times I do get people in who are looking for gluten-free beers or just yeah, yeah. or people who... Yeah, like not new people kind of searching for it, but people who have come for that new gluten-free beer. Yeah. Do you find your customers are quite knowledgeable then, or do you find that you get it's mainly people who are a little bit in the dark with it all? Or? No, it, it, very knowledgeable. So we've got clear customers who, who like Matt, who are, are gluten-free customers. And so I would I would go as far as to say that it, um, in, a, in a typical six-day week, on at least four of those days, 
we'll have someone in looking for gluten-free beers. And so uh, the, the explosion in the number available to customers and the fact that we stop them just means that people, people come along. And so we occasionally on social media, perhaps not enough, uh, promote the fact that there are plenty of gluten-free beers out there. And that did reduce during lockdown, but has, has quickly um, extended again um, since. So, so we get a lot in and the, the vast majority are very knowledgeable. It's just sometimes you might get someone buying a gift for someone else and then they start to fret and worry about it. Particularly. It's probably more of a problem outside the kind of kind of craft beer bubble you know people who are obviously quite passionate about drinking beer i'm just going to close the window because it's pouring with rain here i apologize <laughs> yeah i was saying um probably outside the kind of specialist beer drinkers if you're just a beer drinker generally like like kind of to be honest about like you kind of work yeah you know, you're just kind of like what well, you're not looking because you I, drink what you drink with your life and you just you have what is available in the standard you know drinking establishment you know and if you don't if you don't if you don't do what you've done which is basically badger people ask and you know and, and hunt it down then i suppose you probably you could even though there's so much beer out there 500 plus that you've had you could kind of go through your life and not even <laughs> know they were even there more than likely yeah i mean like the, the main beer i knew of kind of before getting into this craft journey really was well, a um Australia Dowra or Dora or whatever people call it, um Spanish lager, which I mean at, at the time I really enjoyed drinking it, but then like after getting into craft beer and actually find something with a bit of taste, um it made a massive difference. And I realised that that's not where you know, like intolerance blue and has to stop and there are like choices out there that you can enjoy but yeah i mean like, the funny thing is before i like stopped eating gluten or whatever the only beers i'd ever drank were standard club lagers so well it weren't something i've ever missed um but it's more like it's something i've gained now i guess really i was just thinking of something you used to do at christmas and if you still do it you tend to do your 12 days of gluten-free Christmas thing and kind of do your, your top to top 12 of that year. Have you got a top five of all time kind of just that springs to mind? I mean, not, no pressure issue if you're not, but any, any that kind of come to mind yeah, I mean, that are available. That yeah, are available. so last night I think I had probably one of my favourite beers I've ever drank, which was um, Wonder Beyond over in Manchester. Um the suit, which is a ten percent milkshake imperial IPA that's also gluten free and lactose free. So it kind of it caters for gluten free market and the vegan market. Um, I forget the name of the beer. It's trying to it's Elysium, maybe the one of their big sellers that they're trying to replicate with it. Um, be a re- really great beer that one. Um, I mean, if it's put on number one or not. I don't know, um, but it's definitely up there. Um, like the, the new wonder of the you two are both drinking. Um, great beer again. Mm. And then like Lervig and Verdant did the um, It's Not Me, It's You. Um, mm. the collab beer they did, and that one, again, really nice. Um, other than that, I think that there's kind of quite a few that I thought like definitely up there is really good beers uh, but being able to pick from them now it's getting more and more difficult the more I drink 
and I mean that's probably going to continue to happen. Cool, good stuff. Um, so, a um, few things for us to discuss because uh, it has been a couple of weeks. Well, it's, I mean, I suppose it's been probably three weeks since we've done kind of a normal episode with uh, with us because obviously a couple of weeks ago was the the hop fest and it was kind of a bit of a crazy weekend um so stuff that's happened i mean obviously um pubs reopened yesterday that's fairly significant um but we'll talk about that in a moment because we need to reflect on the fact that there's one pub that's definitely not going to be reopening which has actually been mentioned a couple of times already tonight uh, which is the Devonshire cap which um it was announced uh, I think it was just before last weekend that um, it's one of we we guess probably one of a number of venues that that, that weren't kind of reopened certainly in their in their current um, guys. Um, obviously, Laura, I guess you've got more reason than most to kind of feel quite sad about this. Although I, I'm sure we all feel very sad about it because it's been um, ever since I kind of discovered proper beer, um, even you know Devonshire Cat in its old form before it, it was then kind of redone. Um, and reopened in its Abbeydale form has has always been kind of just one of those go to pubs, and I, I guess that's the case for um, most of us. But um, a really kind of sad day when that was announced, wasn't it, Laura? Yeah, I'm still incredibly sad about it. I think it's such a such a shame. It, like I, I'm pretty much the same. It's one of the pubs that I would always go and drink in um, long before I worked in, in anything to do with with beer. Um, always been great place always had really lovely knowledgeable staff on always had a great range of beer good food um and i think as as a person not just as a, an employee of the, the same business i'm gonna really really miss it um so yeah absolutely gutted about it um but i think it's just one of those one of those awful things that it's with the position that it was in obviously being located directly in kind of student district and got a lot of trade from the students that live there as well as the uh, kind of five o'clock drinkers um from the offices around um and you know they're not there and we don't know when they might be there um so i think the way that it, it was just just meant that it, it wasn't going to be able to reopen um i think it's it's such a nice venue as well that, you know, I think there's still a hope that potentially it'll have new life with, with different owners maybe. I don't know. Um, but I think it's a, something that Sheffield will really, really miss. Um, and it will come back if, if possible. Um, but yeah, sad times. It used to be a shopping stop off for me and Deborah James. It, uh, it, uh, when I was a teacher, uh, driving to Sheffield on a Saturday to do a bit of shopping wasn't my favourite pastime and was only sweetened by the possibility of perhaps going to watch Barnsley in the afternoon and so on. But uh, uh, that used to be our, our stop-off. We, we would do a, a, a bit of shopping and go and have a chip butty um, in the dev cat and, and, a, and a, a nice quick drink like so that was a little bit of a sweetener but so it's fantastic again before Abbeydale were, were, were involved yeah I used to love it I used to love that little bottle um a sort of little um store that they got that you could see through and peer through quite a lot of Belgian beers were in there as well so it uh, probably their bottle store was bigger than our shop uh, at the time uh, but we, we had fond memories particularly of it 
I think for everyone, it's a pub that will um, harbour many memories because it's just it's just been been there in its two different guises for for such a long time. And um, you know, I I, I can remember. Oh, I mean, most hundreds of times I must have been in in there and um often kind of after after the football at hills we're going into town and kind of going going there and then ultimately going on to the washington afterwards where the night turns quite blurry as it always does in the washington so um you know it will it will be be very strange if it's not there and laura as you say you know hopefully um in, in some form or another there may be someone that comes in and that, that it does live on as a as a pub because it's a fantastic building um and a, and a brilliant place and it will be really sad if um if, if if it doesn't live on in in some way or um or another um we are now in a situation where we we do have pubs that have reopened obviously not every pub there's a, a quite a lot that are, are reopening at various points during the next week um quite a few that for various reasons still can't reopen or still don't feel able to um reopen so i guess important that we kind of make that point that there are still uh, pubs out there that, that are kind of struggling in the in the current situation um but a lot that reopened yesterday and indeed um I know that we have at least one person here who actually went to a pub yesterday, uh, and that again is Laura. Um, so um, yeah, tell us tell us about your day at the pub yesterday. Well, maybe not day at the pub, but visit to the pub yesterday. So we weren't planning on going to the pub yesterday. Um, I think because kind of wanted to give things chance to settle down a little bit, um, see how you know, see which places were kind of comfortable and all that kind of thing. Um, so we just went a bit to wander through town. Um, ended up walking past the uh, Sheffield Cap on our way home. Um, and just so happened that Liz, who we've already mentioned, who uh, used to run the dark hat, um, was stood outside and we gave her a wave and she said that there were tables free and, you know, it was all kind of uh, nice and calm in there. So we decided to pop in. Um, so, uh, you know, there were, there were people in there, but everyone, the, the new layout that they've got um, is uh, really, really, really well thought through. I think it's a pub that lends itself quite nicely to table service. It felt, it felt a bit like being in Belgium, actually. You know, it had that kind of nice feel about it. Um, the staff were kind of sort of a little, a little kind of cautious, um, kind of letting people sort of uh, live, leaving them to themselves, uh, but being really on it with the table service uh so it was it was absolutely brilliant um really enjoyed it and my first pint was a cast jaipur uh which was brilliant um me and jim both had a pint and jim's lasted three whole mouthfuls and then it was gone like liz and bell even put them down on the table and asked how we were and had to go back and get him another one <laughs> a quick one Laura. yeah we only stayed for about an hour but had an absolutely lovely time and really glad we went how does it work then laura does basically someone come with a menu of what's on cask today like uh, madame would there like any uh... <laughs> well, where we were sat we could see all the handfuls and everything quite clearly ah, right, and we've got a little one-way system in place so if you are sat away you'll still kind of walk past the cask like, <laughs> well, I'm sure. I think they probably would have menus, or I'm I'm very confident that um, the staff that were on would have been able to kind of advise. Um, they're always really good in there, um, anyway. So, um, you know, had a a Jaipur, a really nice uh, beer called Lowrider from uh, Bristol Beer Factory, and a uh, Bad Seed Lemon and Lime Sour, and they were all really nice, and just had a really nice time. 
No, my sounds, sounds good. I, I seem to think that um, Sheffield Taps one of the places that actually have their um, like beer menu on their website anyway, because I think yeah, they, that do, um, they have an insane number of cans and bottles and stuff in there, don't they? So um, it, it's I've, uh, many times I've been in there kind of before getting a train somewhere thinking it's actually easier to go mm-hmm. on the website to look at what cans and bottles mm-hmm. they've got than to try and actually see them all because they're obviously mm-hmm. they're buried kind of behind the behind the bar um i've not been in the pub yet but i did walk past the stag recently um earlier on today which is is my um local it became my local um just when i when i moved which was about a week before lockdown so i've not been in it since it's been my local um but there anyone that knows the stag will know that it's got kind of a car park to the side of it that's kind of in two levels so there's like the lower car park and then an upper bit of the car park and they've they've, they've turned that up a bit just into a massive big kind of outside mm. seating area so it already got like a beer garden down one side where the conservatory is but then they've converted the whole of that top car park into another so I actually walked past that thinking that actually looks like there's a lot of space even if it got busy there's a lot of space for people there's no need for anyone to have to worry about being too close to someone else all the tables look really spaced out and i thought Obviously, if it's raining, it's not much good. But I kind of thought, oh, I, I can kind of sort of, I've been very like, I'm not ready to go back to the pub yet. But when I walked past the stag, I thought, I can imagine myself going there because it does look like it would be possible to be safe. And I think just to say huge credit to the venues that have reopened, um, particularly some of the smaller ones, um, who you know tend to be obviously a lot of the smaller places in Sheffield are the ones that you know that we've done episodes at and that we're quite good friends with anyway. Um, but the work that's been involved for them to kind of get ready for for this and and to reopen in a way that's safe i think is just phenomenal so a huge huge well done to every um venue and um you know i think we've all we've probably all got opinions on it and i'll throw it open if anyone wants to chat about it i, I say I, I kind of feel like i'm i'm just not i don't think i'd feel safe going to the pub yet but having walked past a couple today i don't know if that's changed a little and, and my opinion on that might kind of change a bit but i think it's very much down to people's personal choice um and and you know kind of people have got to do what they think is is right in kind of these odd times that we're that we're in but can't fault uh, the majority of, of venues that, that have kind of you know worked so hard um to to kind of get ready which leads on to another talking point which um i, I guess we'll probably we probably all might want to say something on it which is one of the new stories actually that's been knocking around this week is the uh, the tweet that was put out by sheffield council uh which was um so i was working at radio sheffield last week so so it kind of reflected on this on air which just said basically if you go to a pub coronavirus will be there waiting for you it was an incredibly ill-advised um tweet which they deleted then apologized for then deleted the apology and then apologized again and i think they apologized for deleting the apology uh, and it's like oh this is just a masterclass in how to really screw something up and um, so that whole episode just so so daft really 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 foolish um particularly when venues have worked so hard to actually make it as safe as is as is possible in the current situation so um yeah pubs reopened what, what are our thoughts um, james the, the sorry adam the, the sheffield council uh, uh, tweet was uh, was truly pathetic and um their subsequent follow-on of apology delete apology change of tweet was uh, almost as as bad um We've got uh, a friend, Laura Bob, who was in Bar Stewards yesterday, said it was absolutely fantastic, went really well. And the, the one I've seen the most of um, online, or in terms of it, it looking the most impressive, is uh, the Mill Owners. Um, 
they seem to have used um, the uh, the outdoor area at Kellam Island Museum in a spectacular way. And I don't know whether there's a long-term potential future to, to use that for them when things perhaps go back to normal opening, but uh, they seem to have done a fantastic job. And just from pictures, which a lot of us are, are taking reassurance from pictures online, really, um, it, it really did look spectacular. But yes, yeah, Sheffield Council, our landlords, but uh, a terrible loan goal, terrible. <laughs> I um I went on a bike ride about twelve o'clock yesterday, not on purpose, but realising that's actually probably about the time where pubs were going to be opening. And on the massive uh, the majority was really quite quiet, really, and it seemed that people had things under control. I mean, I'm not going to name any names. There was one smaller pub that I thought probably could have done better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't feel like I'm. I don't think yesterday I was ready to kind of go back. Back. But in hindsight, I mean, quoting someone that Steve at Beer O'Clock shows put put on his Twitter, so it's not like calling him out. But he was quite passionately like, "I'm not going back to the pub until September." Then he's <laughs> kind of gone today. Day two, I've gone to the pub, kind of. Um, and I think it just depends on. I think a lot. I think depends where and what kind of pub it is. I think I think there'll be a lot of pubs, and you'll see these kind of sensationalized extremes of what's happening across the country you know believe what believe what you want out of the angle of photography or whatever and there, there will be there will be there will be kind of um, situations where things are kind of you know not really being adhered to but from what i've seen most places have been manageable and quiet and i agree what you said james i think everyone i've seen putting on stuff on their social media has been like step by step, process by process, and what they're doing, and they've thought it out, and they're not trying to rush you back. Mm. And but then again, I also respect all the other people who have decided not to reopen, and I, I kind of, kind of on their side. I, I, you know, I would never think, oh, why are they not reopening? I, I, I kind of think that if I was opening a pub, I would probably not open yesterday either. But um, you know, each their own, and you you never know what sort of situations each you know pubs are, are in in terms of you know what they need to do to kind of uh, or they need to maybe take a slight risk on or, you know um so yeah we'll just i think i think it'll the only thing i was, was the only thing i was thinking is like i wonder whether the uk has got the wrong culture and the drinking culture compared to the rest of europe in the sense of that like i can imagine you know when you go you, they've got that kind of cafe culture abroad it's just more relaxed I feel we've got this more like full-on culture, which is like drink, 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 and I don't think I imagine that people in Europe get just as drunk or just have just as much fun. But it feels much more like elegant or relaxed yeah. about it. And I think that sometimes that this country has this culture that we just hit things a bit full-on without really thinking about it. And I worry that that might be our kind of downfall if there is any. <laughs> as a country <laughs> yeah there were certainly reports yesterday about of, of of some pubs where you know things got quite crazy and sort of you know late into the evening that it got kind of a bit messy in places i've got a friend in hillsborough who says there were you know all kinds of stuff going on there but i guess it was day one and 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 you know if if if, if people are going to rush off straight back to the pub and spend all day there on day one that's what they're going to do um it, it should kind of start to settle down a little bit now and um as you mentioned there adam about the the places that haven't reopened yet and i think for for us quite a lot of our favorite venues fall into that category who who, who've not reopened yet they tend to be the quirkier places that maybe have got a bit more work to do to make it safe 
Um, but also, I just think, well, fair, fair play for the places that are actually just looking at how it works elsewhere and seeing what is ultimately going to be the best way for them to be able to make it work. Because there, I want to say there's no right and wrong. There probably is a wrong, um, but you know, kind of ignoring the, that end of the scale. There is no right and wrong way of going about this. You know, It's not like if you don't reopen on day one, then you're doing something wrong similarly there's the, it isn't a bad thing to get to open on the earliest available date that you can do it's like the, the, there's just there's no rules to to this we've never been in this situation before um and, and you know similarly for us as drinkers you know I, I fall into that category um a bit like steve that you mentioned there adam about kind of i was like i'm not going to the, i'm not going to go back to the pub for ages like i don't need to go to the pub it's fine i've got beer at home you know it's I've got you guys every weekend i've got other stuff that i that i do it'll, it'll be fine i don't need to but then seeing a couple of pubs and i thought actually i could go there and feel quite safe so maybe that'll change but there isn't there's no rules there's no right there's no wrong to this we've all got to do what we think is is right and and you know sean as you kind of mentioned there the problem is stuff like you know when people make big silly sort of gestures which is exactly what the council did by trying to scare people off the idea of going to the pub is dangerous that's nonsense going to some pubs obviously will probably be more dangerous than others depending how seriously some are or aren't taking it you know i got um messages yesterday from friends about you know um I'll not mention any names here, but perhaps a particularly large pub chain where by lunchtime people were spilling out onto the roads because it was just absolutely packed inside. And you're like, well, that's probably going to be the more likely place where you're going to get issues if ultimately this comes down to if there's someone in there that's actually got the virus, isn't it? That's that's what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, it's just people just got to do what they think is right. But we also need to not tell other people whether they're right or wrong for the way that they decide to play it because it's very much a personal um, personal thing um cool i'm aware that we've been gabbing away for about an hour now so um what we've not done is talk about our respective beers so um i kind of talked about in advance so i'll let adam do our collective review i'm fairly certain i will echo whatever he says about uh wanderer yeah i think basically what i said about last night is that i enjoyed it so much last night that i nearly drank my second one um which i'd managed to save um, really good. It, it's it's really smooth for six point eight percent as well. It doesn't, and it's not like it's not sickly or anything for that kind of strength. It's really, it's almost quite like it's quite dry in, in certain ways. But um, yeah, it's, I'm I'm really hoping that there's some more locally that I can pick up. And I've even convinced my dad that he that he should be drinking one because he's been <laughs> recently um, delving into the uh, the world of um, of Abbeydale. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, it's spot on. Can't fault it really at all, to be honest. Um, best beers since kind of the um, the days of the um, oh god, what's it called? The pink can. It's got up, dropped out of my head. We used to talk about it all the time. Thinking Huckster. Huckster. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it just went from my head all of a sudden. I heard it there. It but yeah, really good. Good review. I'd agree with that. Um, Matt, what's um, what's your beer review? Uh, yeah, the I mean the Olivia gluten gone. It, it's very nice, like pale ale. Um, I mean, it, it's it's definitely not my favourite beer out there, um, but it is. It's very drinkable. Uh, Five percent, but it, it feels probably a little bit less than that. I'd say it's quite a sessionable beer. Um, I mean, it's got it's quite tropical um, on the nose, and it's slight bitterness, but. Yeah, on, on the whole, nice beer. Um, and I mean, I've got a few more to get through as well. So, yeah. Tonight? 
Uh, not tonight, no, definitely not tonight. <laughs> very sensible, very sensible. Um, Sean, bad kitty. Um, yeah, a little bit of smoky toffee just initially and then all mellowed out by a chocolate vanilla finish. So uh, uh, a sweetie pie that's bad, sweet and bad is, is the perfect combination. Delicious. Have you had the very bad kitty before? Yes, mate. yeah, yeah, all, all, the, all the way up. And we're, we're looking forward to the very, very, very bad kitty, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and Laura? Yeah, um, just, I mean, I drink quite a lot of heathen, as you might expect. And that one was, yeah, really nice and tasty, easy drinking, nice and fresh. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Um, and I don't know if anybody spotted that after an hour um, of chat since the name Olivia Gluten Gone was mentioned, it made me chuckle all over again. <laughs> so <laughs> you have a little laugh at the glute, glutimus minimus as well, like yeah, I did, would love I would love to attend one of their um, like name planning <laughs> meetings that they must have. They're probably just like yeah, just go and brew a beer. Doesn't matter what's in it. Doesn't matter. What about the name? Right, we've got hours have got to be spent on uh, on coming up with this. Uh, right then, so last thing obviously is um, is our beer selfie pick. Um, so if everyone's got their got their cans, and hopefully me and Adam will not be next to each other on this picture because that would be well, you've are on mine. <laughs> cool, good stuff. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Um, nope. Enjoy the rest of your um, Cheers, Olivia gluten gums, and um, good to see you all. And um, we've not discussed it yet, but I'm guessing that we'll be back next weekend, and we'll be back into our kind of fairly regular sort of um, pattern. Sean's the one to ask because he's the busy one these days. So um, no, I'm, I'm relaxed again now. All relaxed. Uh, all, 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 everybody, all the team are back, so it's relaxing now. Good stuff. Um, so thank you for your company, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next weekend. Thanks all. Bye. Cheers.